Okay, welcome back to the EM Stud Podcast. We're here in beautiful San Antonio, Fiesta Week, for the Council of Residency Directors. And today I'm here with some gifted educators who gave some great talks this morning on the match and student applications for emergency medicine. So, ladies, why don't you introduce yourself? I'm Lucienne Lutfi-Clayton. I'm one of the APDs at UMass Bay State in Massachusetts. And I have been lucky enough to be involved with both the advising task force here within CORD as well as the application improvement. I'm Alexis Pelletier-Bowie. I'm the current co-clerkship director and assistant program director at Cooper Medical School of Rowan University in Camden, New Jersey. I'm also the current chair for the student advising task force and very heavily involved with the application process improvement task force as well as proud mother of three young children, actually twins who are here at the conference that you brought. Way to go. You're a Wonder Woman. <laughs> yes, yes. I have three very small kids for a moment. I had three under two years old, um, but I have my three-month-old twins with me here. Uh, it's been an exhausting but a really great week. And, and that's a neat trend. I, I can't say enough how good it is to see families here, spouses, children in the conference, and I think everyone's very accepting of that. It's been a neat cultural shift, so way to go, Cord. Okay, let's look into the match. The match just happened, and give us a report. What are things that we noticed and saw about the EM match? So I have to say that this year we had a great match. It was very similar in terms of number of unmatched and matched students within emergency medicine, which is good. But I have to say I'm a little worried about the application still. The numbers are still going up. We felt that, I know, at my institution. And we definitely were reviewing more and had more applications. And some ERAS AAMC data has just come out that shows that the average number of applications has topped 50. It's up to 52 now. Yikes! Okay, well, let's talk a little bit about the work that the Application Improvement Committee has been working on. So let's frame maybe some of the problems, and then we can talk about some of the discussion and then solutions that we've come up with. Our task force was formed last year in an effort to decrease the flood of applications that students have been submitting and programs have been receiving over the past few years. We've been working very hard over the past year to try to decrease this flood of applications. We haven't been successful quite yet, as CN had mentioned, um, but we're hoping that some of the things that we are doing will eventually have an effect on those numbers. One of the things that we've been doing is working with EMRA Match to uh, utilize certain filters within EMRA Match to really increase transparency about programs for students so that students can find a better fit uh, for them when applying to residency programs. So some of the filters that we added this year is the number of slows that are required to grant an interview, as well as whether or not an institution sponsors uh, has visa sponsorship, excuse me. And we also added a program culture descriptor where a program can use 700 characters to describe their program, what makes their program unique, and what they're looking for in an applicant. We've also uh, sent out a survey this year to uh, medical students who are going into emergency medicine to try to understand some of the decisions that they are making with regards to the residency application process. 
In particular, we wanted to look at what are the factors that are increasing the number of applications that you're submitting, um, and what is your own perceived competitiveness? Does that play a role in how many uh, applications you're submitting? Um, so CN has some of the data um, that we can discuss regarding the survey. So yeah, one of the things that we did when we first started the task force was to try to identify what the problems were and who the stakeholders were and sort of brainstorm. We had a massive Slack list uh, of all of our members and we really used that to just sort of uh, pitch ideas and pitch solutions that we could come up with for the problems. And so what you see this year is we are sort of starting to try to gauge how have we done and what do we need to pitch for next year? How can we make new solutions? So, so who are these stakeholders and what's at stake here? So when we first formed the committee, we actually built this giant Slack uh, program for all our committee members so that everyone could brainstorm and throw out ideas and then come up with solutions. And we sort of divided up the stakeholders. And obviously, the applicants are a stakeholder. The programs are a stakeholder. The deans and the medical schools are all stakeholders. We're all in this together, and we all want to work together to make sure that everyone is getting what they need and that it is efficient and costs as little money to all of us as possible. Once we had ideas about who the stakeholders were, we proceeded to figure out the problems. And there were big categories of problems that we then came up with solutions. And one of the problems we really didn't discover until last year was within the booking of interviews. So people are going on a lot of interviews and most EM programs are using a broker or using someone to actually set up the interviews for them electronically so that they're not spending so much time doing it. And the biggest one that's being used is Interview Broker. And it was very interesting, but Interview Broker uh, was allowing applicants to sign up for more than one interview on a day. And so we call this double booking. And the real problem with this is that there's other students who aren't getting an interview because one student is sort of taking all of these interviews together. And so well, we wanted to stop it. Yeah, the students are eventually getting interviews, but what's happening is they're getting the interviews very late, and this is creating a lot of anxiety. And then students are increasing the number of applications that they're submitting. So when they don't receive a certain number of applications and their friend has next door, um, they're going to submit more applications. We think with trying to reduce double booking through interview broker, that's going to open up those slots even sooner to those medical students who may have traditionally gotten those interviews a little bit later, hopefully decrease some of their anxiety and they don't have that compensatory response to increase the number of applications that they are submitting. Yeah, and what we designed in with Interview Broker was a system that we hope would really be well-received and seem fair. What we did was come up with some warnings. And so the first warning happens if you double book. Um, you get a warning that that's you know, against policy and that you need to resolve the double booking within 48 hours. 
you get a second warning at 24 hours to remind you to try to resolve the double booking within 48. And at 48 hours, both programs get notified that you double booked on the day. And the programs get to decide what to do with that. We have warned programs and, and really asked them to, to think about what their reaction will be, especially if there's a good reason for the double booking. And sometimes that can be something like a couples match where one person within the couple doesn't know whether the other person in the couple is going to get interviews in that region. And so they need to hold on to a couple interviews for a little bit longer than another candidate might. What's the typical program's response to a double booking that's been notification, I guess, of a double booking? What will programs usually do? Yeah, so programs have a couple different options. One is to simply cancel the invitation and say, uh, we don't want you to come and interview here because you're holding on to a double booking. Two is to ask the student. You can actually send an email to the student and ask, why do you need to have this double booking? And that's what we really encourage because that way you know what the reasoning was and you you can then judge as a program that is reasonable, we'll let you go a little longer or not. And then the third is to do nothing. You can simply know that there's a double booking on this day and sort of wait and see if it goes away on its own. Is there any data on what responses programs have uh, done? Uh, How many people have canceled the interview? How many have done nothing? Do we have data? So we are about to send out a survey to the program coordinators to get just that. What did you guys do with double bookings uh, during this first year? And also get some numbers. We know how many double bookings got warnings. But we don't actually know from the program point of view, were all of them at one program or were they all dispersed and everyone was only getting a few? Gotcha. We'll look forward to getting that information because I think data is going to be powerful when we can really find out what people are doing. Right now it's hearsay, it's recommendations, and data will hopefully set us straight. I guess the... the Well, we do have some data with what... um has happened as a result of this um, usage of the notification. I believe CN knows the data best, so I'll let her talk about it. But it has uh, decreased the amount of double booking that we've been seeing. So CN, I'll cover that data. Yeah, so I have data both directly from Interview Broker. And we did approach Interview Broker first because they have the bulk of the program's using them. It just made sense to start with sort of the behemoth and then consider moving down to the other programs that are out there. So within Interview Broker, last year, 40% of applicants double booked at least some interviews. And again, we don't know how many total got booked as doubles in terms of was one person doing 40 that would still only count as one person, or did everyone just do it once during the interview season? This season, in terms of the warnings, there were 260 warnings total that got sent out. Those were first warnings, second warnings, and the warning to the programs. Um, Those first warnings went to 123 individual applicants. That goes down to about 10% of the total number of applicants that were using Interview Broker. So a big reduction from 40 to 10 in just one year. We also saw a big reduction during the season. Um, The spike was, as you might imagine, right when the bulk of the interview offers went out. Um, But the max was 38, which really doesn't sound that bad. And for second warnings, it dropped down to eight, which means in 24 hours, 
30 of them got resolved, all right? People really did take action. And we included this in our survey to see what did students feel and see. Um, overall, overwhelmingly, they thought that this was fair. They thought that this was a reasonable intervention. And we asked that question to them, do you think this was a fair intervention to do to improve the application process? And 91% agreed or strongly agreed with that statement. We do recognize that this is not um, the perfect solution, especially if not all programs are utilizing um, this ability to be notified of a double booking. So programs actually had the option to opt in to whether or not they wanted to receive a notification in the double booking. And about half of the programs who utilize Interview Broker did opt in. So if there's any programs out there listening to this today, we would encourage <laughs> you um, to opt in uh, in the future to kind of um, help decrease this these numbers even further. A lot of Applicants also commented that they would um, love to see this cross into the other electronic booking systems and they would love to have like a unified system. It would make their life easier if everyone was on one system. That's certainly something that we're going to take back to the programs um, and see whether people are willing to go to all one system. I will say that for many of us, there's a reason that we like one over the other, and we've sort of been married to that system. And sometimes it's through your institution that the institution's using that for all their programs. So change may not be possible to just one, but we are going to work on at least within each system not having double bookings. And how much stock do you guys own in Interview Broker? <laughs> Remind me. I, I will tell you that they do know my email really, really well. <laughs> and the best is when you have conference calls with techie people who are sitting there trying to figure out. They're like, huh, yeah. You know, I think we, with a string, I can make, a, I can make that work. <laughs> so no disclosures here. You guys don't own Interview Broker. Exactly. Just wanted to no make sure. No, no disclosures. No for anything. <laughs> Oh, my. Okay, so what's contributing to this? What are the drivers of this explosion of applications? So we were a little bit surprised to find that peers, your own peers, are actually the biggest driver in determining how many programs you're going to apply to. When your friend is applying to 40, you sometimes want to one-up them, or you worry that, oh my god, I only applied to 30, now you're applying to 40 or 50. Um, so that was one of the big drivers. One of the drivers that we thought was going to be big was deans, because of course they have um, an investment in their students actually matching. So we thought that deans were really pushing these numbers up, but it looks like they're not. In addition, there are some of the natural things you might expect, which is EM faculty, was one of the influencers in terms of how much you increased or decreased your applications. And the last one that did was a little bit of a surprise to us was VSAS. The VSAS program and the process, which is the way we asked it, was how did the VSAS process adjust up or down your applications? We found that it really was adjusting up applications. So just sort of going through, I think it might be feeling like a mini-match. Like you have to send out all these applications Absolutely. for your rotation and then you get what you get. Um, I think people were felt a little disconcerting by that process and then said, well, I have to, I have to go bigger for the next time I go through this. Absolutely. Mm. I 
I was not actually too surprised about that just from my own experience with my students at my institution um, about their anxiety over VSAS. They're very worried that you know they've applied to 10 programs to get an away rotation and maybe got a response from one and they feel like that's a reflection of their application and their own competitiveness and as a result they think they're not a competitive applicant and are going to submit even more applications. So we need to um, sort of address that this as a task force over the next year and also as advisors uh, tell our students that that's, that's not the case. The two are not aligned. Um, so please don't use that um, as your sole reason for increasing the number of applications that you're submitting. Yeah, if you struggle to get your away rotation, uh, you were in the boat with a whole lot of people. Um, it is hard both because of scheduling and what the dates for your blocks are versus the dates for a different institutions are, um, travel arrangements, all of that goes into why it can be hard to get your away rotation. Uh, you should not expect that because it was hard to get an away rotation, that, that means that your application isn't going to be well received. Mm, some sage wisdom. The last thing that I want to bring up that came through was that one of the reasons people increased their applications was their board scores. They felt like, I assume from that, if they're saying they increased because of board scores, they felt their board scores weren't good enough. If you're questioning whether your board scores are in line with the people that match in emergency medicine, you want to get to know the NRMP data. So they have wonderful graphs that will actually show you your board scores, both COMLEX and USMLE, and they will show you your probability of matching with that score alone. And I hope that will be reassuring pe for people because the vast majority of applications are in a nice range to match. Yes, so the AMC also published a really awesome graph last year of the point of diminishing returns. And uh, one of the points to bring up is students who have a score of less than or equal to 215, um, it looks like 30 to 34 programs is the point of diminishing returns. So you really shouldn't be applying to more than that because you know, the advantage to applying to more than that is very relatively decreased compared to the advantage of applying, um, you know, each to a, each additional program below that. Um, so a lot of the time you are getting the advice from advisors or deans or maybe from your own peers that you need to apply to 80 programs because your board scores are very low, but just understand that um, that's probably not great advice and that there is a point of diminishing returns. And, and the goal is not necessarily to apply to um, enough programs or as far as numbers go, but maybe apply to targeted programs and um, make sure you're, you're discussing an application strategy with your advisors as to where you should be applying rather than solely how many programs you should be applying to. Yeah, and if you don't already know it, EMRA Match is a great spot where you can go to, you can use their filters to fill in some of your data, essentially with the filters, and see what programs in the region or the areas you're interested in take applicants like you. And that's a really great way to be much more strategic in where you're applying rather than the shotgun approach of, I'm just going to apply to more and more. More may not get you more interviews, but better will. I love that advice. I think the students might need to pay attention to this because numbers aren't the key from what I'm hearing. It's a better selection, applying smarter, not harder, not exactly. more. Exactly. And 
identifying these can be important. It, it makes sense if maybe you're an international student or maybe a DO student and you're applying to a program and on MRA Match, they don't interview students from those institutions, you may be wasting your time. And some money. <laughs> Lots of money. One of the things that also influenced, and I think this is very normal, is self-assessment. So one of the influencers of, of how many programs you felt you needed to apply to, how many interviews you needed to go on, and just how competitive you felt you were is, is, is your own self-assessment. And sometimes we can be a little bit of pessimists about ourselves, and I think that's, it's really important to have that advisor, that person who you can go and sit with and give them all of your numbers and get that real objective appraisal of your own competitiveness. And that will help you to know how many programs to apply to, but also come up with a strategy for which programs to apply to. If you don't have a personal advisor, someone you can actually go to, all of these resources can help. And SAAM actually has a remote advisor program. You can go and sign up to be on that program and be linked with an advisor and you guys can end up FaceTiming or going ahead and just emailing back and forth with each other. So based on the survey, one of the questions might be, well, maybe just the cream of the crop answered this, or maybe it was the disgruntled that you might, you know, give a low evaluation for an Amazon product. How do we know this is a good representation of the, the real swath of the applicants for emergency medicine? So we did look at this uh, demographic data to make sure that it was representative of at least the 2017 ERAS uh, stats for emergency medicine applicants. And we had 742 respondents in total. After filtering out those who were not going into the match this year, those who were not going into emergency medicine, and those who didn't fill out any questions after the consent, we had 650 respondents. When looking at applicant type, we had a little bit more USMD applicants uh, fill out the survey than uh, in percentage-wise um, as compared to our applicant pool in 2017, about the same amount of DOs and a little less IMGs. When you look at gender, is pretty much the same, one-third female, two-thirds male, ethnicity very similar as well, and AOA status uh, very similar as well. So I do think that the respondents to our survey very well represent um, the students that we're trying to capture. Well, great work. What else is the uh, Application Improvement Committee working on next? So we have a number of ongoing processes. The first is we want to take this data and we want to form it into a manuscript and get it published so that it can be even more widely viewed. Because while it's wonderful that we're talking here about it, people who aren't listening here won't have the information. And so we want to really get it out there. Dissemination is incredibly important. And so that's one of the big steps. We're going to be looking at the data itself to sort of help us identify what the next problems are and the next solutions are and where we've gotten to. I will say one of the data points that we asked was, in the end, did you think you applied to the right number of programs, too many or too few? And 45% said they applied to too many. 41% said they applied to too few. So <laughs> <laughs> almost no one got the Goldilocks chair. Nobody. <laughs> Oh, that's great. And that, that just gives, a, I think, a great example of how complex this is and how important it is to get data. So 
kudos to you for the, the great work that you've both done. Thank you for improving the student's application process. One of the next things that we're gonna be working on to try to help people see who they are is sort of a portrait of an applicant, is going through and talking to especially a lot of our CORD members who are experts in this and see lots of applicants, and working together with the student advising committee to come up with what are the traits of an applicant in emergency medicine who's sort of a mid-level applicant. And our hope is that you can then look and see, I am at that level, I am that applicant, and then understand the recommendations for that applicant. We all also wanna help identify who is not in that group, all right, who needs some special consideration. And so we're at the very uh, infancy stages of developing a, hopefully a tool that will help you sort out if you have any of the things that might make it harder for you to get interviews, harder for you to match in EM. And again, for the vast majority of you, you're gonna go through that and hopefully get reassured and get like super happy, it's gonna be a good night because you're gonna realize that you don't have any of the things that we expect to hold you up. What about VSAS? Uh, that seems to be a, a challenging user interface for both programs and students. Uh, what can we do or look forward to with improvements? Yes, absolutely. As we mentioned in our survey earlier, this is a big driver of applications for our students. So we definitely want to look into the process of VSAS and the whole process of applying for away rotations and try to identify um, some solutions to make this easier for all stakeholders involved. Also, is there a code of conduct that we could talk about as well? Yeah, you know, this has been coming up for a few years. I think both sides feel like sometimes it's not entirely fair and that we're not treating each other equally. And so I think it's really important that we nail down some of the things that each group does that makes the other feel disgruntled. And one of the big ones that I know in terms of applicants and I hear from my own applicants is that when they go through the interview process that sometimes it seems like a program is offering out more interviews invitations than they have slots and that doesn't seem fair because then they're rushing to get to their phone and go through electronically and grab that interview and they can miss out on interviews in that way. Um, that's one of the big ones that I think programs um, can look at agreeing to. And I, some of the things that I think applicants can agree to, one of the biggest problems programs have are last minute cancellations. So someone who the day before or five days before says, oh, I totally forgot that I had that interview next week, I'm not gonna come. We need a few weeks at least to get somebody else in your spot. And that person needs to make their travel arrangements and make sure that they can get the day off. So giving a little more time in terms of the notification for cancellations is one of the things that we would really love to see. So we're gonna start exploring what we can both be doing better for each other. And those should be pretty rare. I, most students are completely professional. Most programs are. This is a pretty rare thing to happen. Uh, it's without saying, I mean, you gotta learn your kindergarten rules. How do you play in the sandbox nicely? How do you wait your turn to play with that red truck? You just gotta be patient. So. What I learned, I learned in kindergarten. Yep, exactly. And Everything comes back to that. It is, and it's the altruism. It's realizing that you know you want to do the right thing because you'd want other people to do the right thing for you. Well, thanks again for coming on the EM Stud podcast. If listeners want to reach out to you or follow you on Twitter, how are they going to find you? 
My Twitter name is at Pelletier Bui, P-E-L-L-E-T-I-E-R-B-U-I. And my Twitter handle is a little bit odd. It's Airway Yoda. And that's because... Ain't nothing odd about that. That's awesome. (laughs) So I have two true passions uh, in medicine, and one is advising, and the other one is airway. Married together, airway Yoda. I love it. Well, thanks for coming by to the EM Stud podcast. We're going to go get some wonderful Tex-Mex food here in beautiful San Antonio during Fiesta Week. In the meantime, we hope that this has helped you become a better applicant and apply smarter. Rotate well, my friends. Thank you.